Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got a special ITA Men's National Indoor Preview Edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything that happens across the Division I men's college tennis world. Of course, coming up this weekend, a weekend that could be argued to be day for day, the most jam-packed weekend of action on the college tennis schedule. We've got our ITA Division I Men's National Indoor Championship. 16 of the best teams in the country, all traveling to Chicago, Illinois for the right to be crowned the National Indoor Champion. Of course, tonight on our stream, I'm rocking that University of Illinois hat in honor of our hosts. Appreciate all the efforts made by Brad Dancer and the University of Illinois. Illinois, excuse me, program in putting on this year's event. Of course, we're going to have coverage from first ball to last of all the action on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. The play begins Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time. We'll have coverage all the way through Monday's championship match. Of course, before we get to any of that action, we got a preview. All eight of our thrilling round of 16 battles and joining me on the podcast as he does each and every week to do just that is a man you know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames and now the lean mean vegan machine it's our friend Chris Helioris. Chris hey Great shot. Welcome back to the show. That weekend is finally upon us. You ready to roll the balls out? Find out who's good, who's not? I think we know who's good, who's not, but absolutely. Let's get going. Best best early weekend of the year for sure. After kickoff weekend comes the indoors. So, uh, yeah, let's get going. Yeah, the best part, of course, is you're guaranteed uh, eight, excuse me, top 16 battles for three consecutive days. Unlike the NCAAs, you do have those consolation matches. And so, again, every battle matters. Obviously, this weekend, critical for the rankings moving forward. And yeah, let's find out who are the best teams. We've all done a lot of speculating, but they're all going to be one in one location. Like I said, let's roll the balls out, find out who's good, who's not. With all of that in mind, our plan for today's show, we're going to preview each of the round of 16 battles. We're going to make the case for each team. What are the match calculi to get to four points? We'll also talk about our most intriguing individual matchup in each of these round of 16 affairs as well. Of course, at the end, I will ask Chris for his prediction. Who's going to take home the title? We'll get into all of that and so much more break down the lineups. We've got a jam-packed edition of the show for all of you listeners. Of course, the reason we're able to to do this week in week out here on the deciding point is because of the support we get from our sponsors and chris this is the second time i'll let you know i've worn this ls polo on the and a dis- episode of the deciding point you have that exact same face of shock that john parsons had when i wore the shirt on his episode he said alex i don't think i've ever seen you in a collared shirt you seem to be a fan I'm a huge fan. I didn't know that anybody made a shirt. In all seriousness, when we came on pre-show, I said, this is ridiculous. You've never looked this good, Gruskin. How in the world? (laughs) And where is my shirt? I want the LS folks, please 
Gruskin's not the only one here at Crack Crackets. I need my shirt. That is a beautiful shirt. And how have they put it on you and made you look good is beyond me. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. I could see you wearing this shirt. I actually think I said this on the previous show. I could see you wearing this shirt while you're going on one of your bike rides and just cranking away in this. Like, this is the Chris Hallioris riding shirt moving forward. And we'll talk to our guys at LS to see if we can get you hooked up. But look. It's the hooded sweatshirts, it's the collared shirts, and everything in between. If it's got the LS logo on it, you know you're going to look stylish in it. You can look learn more about LS by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. Of course, a massive shout-out as well to our friends at Swing Vision. They're at the forefront of all artificial intelligence technology innovations happening within the sport. I could tell you about them, but it won't do it justice. Simply put, click on the link. Download the app. You'll have access to everything. Their state-of-the-art replay system within the app. You'll also have access to, again, all of their footage. So much more. Learn more by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you do get it to let them know we sent you there. You'll get $20 off plus a free 14-day pro trial as well. Shout out to our friends at LS. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision. Shout out to the weekend ahead. It's going to be a very fun weekend of action in Chicago. The Division One Men's National Indoor Championships upon us. Let's start big picture before we get into any of the matchups. And we'll go through chronologically in case some of you listeners listening to this in podcast form want to skip ahead to your team of preference. But we start big picture. Ultimately, Ohio State the one. Kentucky, the two, TCU, the three, Michigan, the four. You have Virginia sliding in at that number five spot. Now, South Carolina is the six. I thought they were a pretty clear cut number six seed. I think that first five orders where things are most fascinating, of course, as you look a little bit further down the seeds, things do get very, very interesting. Ultimately, it's Georgia at that 11 spot. You see uh, ultimately in the number 12, it's Tennessee. 13 goes to Stanford. 14, uh, you have a obviously very dangerous Baylor team. 15, Florida. 16, Illinois. Your thoughts on the seeding? Who has the biggest gripes to pick with the committee? I'm honestly, I don't know that there's a lot of gripes. I uh, agree with you. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty close to what we thought. And the places where we thought there could be a little bit of leeway, uh, there was. I mean, you could have made an argument. I mean, Kentucky can't argue that they get the two. A couple of those close matches with Louisville and Duke, you go, eh. Would I have felt horrible if they put TCU and Michigan in front of them? No. Do I feel horrible with them at the two spot? No. I mean, I, th- I think that's all right. That was one area. I think that was a little questionable. I thought they might actually get South Carolina all the way up to five instead of six, just because of what Virginia you know, has or hasn't done lately. But still, no qualms there. I, I don't really think anybody has any big gripes uh from a seating perspective i think it's it was i think it's pretty well done the only one that would perhaps have an argument is michigan who gets wins over usc over harvard over nc state over tennessee they get their wins over north uh win over northwestern in the kickoff weekend as well there's more at the win over baylor on the road too don't want to forget that one there's more depth to their body of work, perhaps, than Kentucky, who, to your point, gets good wins over Duke, over Louisville. They go on the road. They beat Virginia as well. And that's the big one. You go on the road 
beat the number one team. You're without Liam Draxel. Yes, Virginia was without Chris Rodash and no Barbotzer in singles, but that victory matters. And the weight of that win, obviously Michigan gets the win Monday over USC as well, but the weight of that Virginia win clearly carries the day. And to your point, Michigan has an argument. I think Kentucky also has a very strong claim to that number two seed. I would also put TCU's body of work. I mean, again, it's a pretty clear cut top four. TCU belongs in that discussion. I would probably have them at two or three, you know, again, with their body of work on the road at North Carolina, on the road at Tennessee, what they've done uh, at home as well. They've racked up some good wins early and then go on the road at Baylor too. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think directionally things are correct. Again, Virginia, South Carolina, flip a coin. You could say South Carolina has the more immense body of work, but five, six, I don't think there's that big of a difference between those two. I agree. I think directionally they got things pretty accurate. Now I do also want to claim there's no doubt Ohio state should be the number one seed. No doubt about that. I mean, what the Buckeyes have done going on the road at Virginia on the road at wake forest at home against Texas, Texas A&M Baylor, they are a clear cut number one seed and there's no doubt they should be in that top spot heading into this event but no I like all the matchups I think they're all going to be good for different reasons I'm sure some coaches are like do you guys mind if we just like switch Georgia and Baylor do you mind if we switch I don't know Kentucky and Illinois just so we don't have uh, Kentucky and Florida excuse me Illinois and Florida just so we don't have conference direct matchups just to make everything a little bit nicer for all of our lives but like competitively it feels very accurate final word goes to you yeah i'll say i again seating no issue i think from a you know a gripe and not a gripe because of the seatings but just sort of wow we kind of got the raw end i will say michigan for sure because it's pretty it was pretty clear we knew illinois was going to be the 16 we knew florida was going to be the 15 pretty confident baylor was going to be the 14 Then it got questionable at who comes next. So that four seed for Michigan, when you're looking at the four, whoever of those two, three, four drew the four was likely to get a much more dangerous match uh, than than the other two. And that's exactly what happened. Stanford, a very dangerous team, uh, you know, much more so than those other matchups, I think. And so, yeah, Michigan, again, they can't really gripe per se. It's it's fair. But yeah, they, they drew the short straw in terms of getting that tougher first round match. I don't know, an experienced Tennessee team at this indoor event. They're really tough. Obviously, you don't want to have to play Baylor twice in a week. That's always just a tough thing for any team to do. Again, it's a good draw. I think we're going to have a fun weekend of action ahead. It's going to be a very balanced round of 16. And with that in mind, let's get into it. Let's run through all eight of our round of 16 matchups. We're going to go chronologically. We'll start with the higher seed in each hour. That means starting with the 9 a.m. Central Time Hour and with the defending national indoor champions. It's the TCU Horned Frogs, the number three seed. They enter this event 9-0 and overall on the season. They take on Conference foes Baylor in a rematch of a matchup we saw just about a week ago. Baylor, a 4-1 win in that battle in Waco. TCU takes a, uh, excuse me, TCU, a 4-1 win in that battle in Waco. They take a toughly contested doubles point, clinch it at the number one spot with Famba and Fernley. They get straight set wins from Famba and Fernley at the one and three positions. Sebastian Gorsny ultimately with the clinch at five. Of course, the big note in that match was the announced L 
eligibility of freshman Jack Pennington Jones, who played, came from the couch, drives to Waco, hops into the singles lineup, lost to Teddy Paralek. And for what it's worth, looking at the matchup here this week, we do see a couple of changes in the lineup for Baylor. They now have Marco Miladinovich at the number two spot. Finn Bass, who didn't play against Ohio State yesterday, he's listed at three. For these TCU Horned Frogs, they go with Fernley at one, Luke Famba at the number two spot, Pennington Jones at three, then Sander Jong four, Gorsney five. Now, Jirasek's listed at six, but whether it's Vivez, whether it's Maxted, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of different looks throughout the course of the weekend. Let's start with the higher seed, third seeded TCU. Your thoughts on their lineup, their pathway to four? I mean, look, oh. Only played one match for JPJ. So, uh, you know, and his first one, obviously a lot of nerves, but to have a guy like that, who's 500 and something in the world, ATP come in and, uh, or, or yeah, I think he is five something now. And you've got him at three or whether it was Famba at three. Look, that's a ridiculous spot in that lineup. Uh, yeah. Just the addition of him and the fact that you now get to pick between years. I think the top five play regardless, right? I mean, they're going to play the freshman Gorsney. So now it's down to, is it Jirasek? Is it Vives? Is it Maxted? Who cares? This team's stacked. And yeah, they they have to be, you know, in my mind, well, those top four are all favorites. But boy, if Pennington's, you know, gotten his, his first match nerves out, these guys are going to be tough. Mm-hmm. When I look for this TCU team, again, wins over Baylor, North Carolina, Tennessee, 9-0 overall. They haven't dropped a doubles point. And on paper, that's where just the depth shines through. I mean, Fernley and Famba, 8-0 on the year. They're playing two right now as Jung and Max that are a top five team in the country. And, you know, they're two and three overall because Gorsny and Vives are seven and one. And they just kept, keep racking up wins everywhere. And so, again, this team has depth, even without... Jack Pennington Jones, you feel like Jirasek, Vives, Maxted, who all succeeded in the bottom half of the lineup last year. Vives clinched the national indoor title for this team in 2023. They have options and they still don't even know what the best version of themselves are. And like, how are we not going to see Pennington Jones in the doubles lineup? Right. Like, that's just that's a question you have to have because he is that sort of caliber of a player. I'm fascinated to see what this team does this weekend because they do have all the pieces. They do have the depth. And I do. The reason I harp on that doubles point is at the women's national indoors, only one team won a match after dropping the doubles point. And it was a team that may have the chance to go down in the history books with the depth and the talent. They have seven top 30 players in the university of North Carolina who go on to win the event. I'm not saying TCU can't do that, but they're also going to win a lot of doubles points. And good freaking luck finding four singles victories against this lineup. So that's to me where the recipe starts is they win doubles and then they're going to find three singles victories. It's just a matter of where. Now, on the Baylor side of things, Chris, you look for this Baylor team. Obviously, the record's not where they want to be. Five and five heading into the national indoors, although somewhere Michael Woodson's like, well, you know, Virginia was five and five last year, how they finished the season. And, you know, again, when you look for this team, it was a rough day in Columbus yesterday. Buckeyes took it to them in under two hours. Buckeyes just beat them everywhere. They were without Finn Bass. I do think there are some silver linings, right? It's very clear Zambor Veltz 
Big Z is going to be a very good player for a very long time in college tennis. The lefty has weapons. He's off to a really strong start, 5-1 and one overall in dual match play to this year. You know, Juan Pablo Mizuchi, who lost two dual matches last season, he's already lost five this year, but I think he's getting a lot better. Miladinovic lost yesterday, but I think he's playing much better than he did to start last season. And look, Teddy Parallax held up in the top half of the lineup. You look for Teddy, he's currently 6-1 and one overall on the year. You know, was up a break in the second after losing the first two Boulay yesterday. This team is good. Are they great? That's the test ahead of them. And look, they played TCU pretty solidly at home. Only lost two straight set matches, was competitive pretty much everywhere else, competitive in the doubles. They also know this TCU team. Should they win? What does it look like? Uh, <laughs> I can't picture that world. I'm not sure. Uh, okay. You're yeah, that this certain? Is, this, yeah, this is tough. I mean, look, and maybe it's just what they need. Their backs against the wall, no expectations, but they're reeling right now. And we may or may not see Finn Bass, as you pointed out, he didn't play at Ohio State. Um, I mean, the guys that have looked good, Teddy and Velch, and part, I'll say a partial argument that you and I can disagree on, on Ethan Musa. Now, part of that is, He's like his matches are going to go so long. He's the first guy that's not going to finish. Sure. <laughs> if we're not playing it out, he's probably not finishing. Um, and so he doesn't have quite so as many completed matches in. But but yeah. And uh, so you're talking, you know, and Teddy now at one Velch. If if Finn is pulled at three against JPJ, I don't know how you, you know, you're not, you're, you're probably not getting doubles against those guys, but that's what it has to be. I mean, they obviously have to win doubles. They're not taking four singles matches against them. And given where they're at, I mean, the the two best guys in their lineup have been, have been Teddy and Z. So, so they've got to win. So you got to find doubles. You got to get Teddy and Z and one more. And right now I'd say the guy best suited to be able to do that is Mizuchi. But if you pull Bass and you got to play him, well, he's he's at six, so he's only playing five. That's a that's the, a possibility. Uh, going to be a tough match for him against Gorsny if that's the case. But but yeah, I think that's. I mean, there aren't a lot of pathways for them against this TCU team right now. They just don't look like you know they're not in the greatest of form. They're reeling a little. It's it's a tough go. I agree with you. I think that's the pathway. Doubles. You get Velts. You get Paralek. You get an inform Juan Pablo Mizuchi. Most interesting singles matchup in this one, Chris. What do you turn to? Or or you can pick a doubles if you like that too. No, what I like is an assumption that Finn Bass gets pulled and it's Velch, who you and I both think is actually the best player on this team. Against Maybe not JPJ. right now, but the highest. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's a, I would say Teddy's probably the best player. I mean, purely right now, if everybody played straight up. Teddy's the best player on the team. I think Z, I think Z right now is the second best player on this team. By the end of the year, he's probably the best player. I mean, but Teddy can beat anybody on any given day. Uh, I mean, he's got firepower. But but yeah, I I think Velch and and Jones from the just from the intriguing factor uh, is probably the most intriguing matchup. The other most intriguing thing to me isn't even a matchup. It's just what the heck TCU is going to do for doubles is Jones in double. I mean, he, you know, he's paired up on the sheet at four, so he's not in, but you can do whatever you want with doubles. You can substitute all day. Mm-hmm. No, very fair. All right. Well, with that said, give me a pick. Uh, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to take TCU. Right. 
I'm not even, I don't know if Baylor gets, I'll say they get one on the board, maybe four, one TCU. All right, let's move on to our next matchup then. It's an all SEC matchup, a matchup you know well. Georgia taking on South Carolina when these two teams faced off last year. Georgia beat South Carolina 4-3 in Athens. Now you look for these two teams. Obviously, it's a little bit of a different story heading into this season. You look for this Georgia Bulldog team overall here in 2023. They do come in as the lower-ranked seed, the uh, 10 seed, 4-3 and three overall. They did get a good kick off win over Louisville in that final there. They lost early matches to Florida, to Texas. They also dropped one to USC, but got a good win over Stanford in that SEC Pac-12 challenge. You look for this South Carolina team. Uh, Obviously, it's been a strong start. Uh, for South Carolina, comfortable wins for them over Clemson, over uh, NC State. They get a good win at home, 4-3 over North Carolina, went on the road and beat Wake 5-2 this past weekend. Let's start with North Carolina. Again, 8-0 overall. You look for this team, a lot of veterans up and down the lineup. Toby Samuel, who had a huge pro fall in summer. He's 6-1 at the number one spot to start the year. You have the veteran Connor Thompson, 7-1 overall, 6-1 at the number two spot. James Story, who had a massive freshman year at Memphis, struggled a little bit last year, but he's that player we thought he might be so far through this season. Story, 7-0 overall in dual match play, 6 you know, at the number four spot. And then again, Beasley, you know, Hool, Lambling, all these guys, we know the pieces. This team's 17 and two in doubles, individual sets so far this season. It's a really good South Carolina team. What's their pathway to victory here against Georgia? This is one where almost to me, almost every single match on the board here could go either way. Uh, th- this match screams, you know, screams possibilities of four, three, just because you have no idea what's going, which way they both can play good doubles. I, I feel like you got to give a, an edge to South Carolina in the doubles. Uh, and the, the lineups to me are so similar now that we've gotten the switch from Georgia which you and I had talked about where Teddy Huska had been playing up at three brides up at three Kreuter at four and, and he, and Huska's down to five and we get Casey Houle, who has been kind of the, you know, the up and comer into that spot for South Carolina. Interesting spot. There's interesting matches everywhere. Ethan Quinn hasn't had the greatest of starts, almost all great losses, but they're all good matches. I mean, every single one of these could go either way. Both question marks at six. The top four we know pretty pretty well uh, from both sides. It's just a tough one to call. I mean, I, I don't feel good about calling any individual match really in, in either direction here. Lambling Bride going to be a rematch. Lambling six and four in the dual match last year. He beat him. Kreuter Story a rematch. Kreuter six two in the third. He beat Story uh, in the dual last season. South Carolina's played really good doubles. It starts for there for them all weekend long. If they're going to make noise, it's going to be because they're up 1-0 and it's going to be hard for any team to find those three singles victories. Flip side, you look for this Georgia team. They're very calloused up coming into this event. Certainly they've been through some 4-3 tough scenarios that have gone both for them against them. You mentioned Quinn already. Again, what are the points you like most for this Georgia team? What will you be watching for? I mean, 
Quinn's not playing horrible. He's just not winning these big matches against the top guys, but he's a spot for Georgia that you have to look at that. That's a, that's a spot we've got to get. You also just say, what if this is where it starts turning where it's just like, okay, he's done with the lumps. Now he's ready. We saw it in the fall. And and like we said, it's, it's not like other guys that are meant necessarily playing bad. They're in poor form. Like I, I would say of, of guys that have struggled here on the, from a win loss column, Ethan struggled in the win-loss column. Teddy Huskis struggled in the win-loss column. Ethan's losing the top 10 guys in the nation. Teddy's not. Uh, I mean, so there's a little difference there. I think you're, it could be exactly that. This this could be the, yeah, okay, that's out of the way. And, you know, it's like flipping a coin. They, I just happened to get the bad, the bad run of a bunch in a row, and now it's going to be a bunch of good ones in a row. You got to like him if you're if you're Georgia and you're you're going to win I think you've I think you've got to look at Kreuter, uh in the four spot as a, as a solid one and then the interesting matches to me like I both guys Lambling and Bride you know which Lambling do we get which Bride do we get I have no freaking idea uh I mean that's that's going to be a match and then the match at six total crapshoot again who do you get is it Pena or Paulsel for Georgia uh, most likely, I think, I, I don't think it's going to be a lot of a discussion. I think we're going to see Beasley, uh, for South Carolina, but yeah, so tough to call any of the individual matches that I, I think it, you know, this is one where I truly like, you know, the first match we talked about, I don't even, I don't care who wins doubles this match doubles is going to be big. All right. With that said, what's your most fascinating matchup? Is it that doubles point? Uh, no, because I, I mean, look, South Carolina, if South Carolina loses it, they could still win, but they've been so good at doubles that I've got to, I've got to give the edge to them. I still, I think to me, the the fascinating one is just going to be what happens at the top of the, I mean, what happens with Quinn and Samuel Samuel has played great. You look at Quinn and think, man, that's a match you got to win. But I, there's no chance I'm writing Toby Samuel off. That's uh, that's going to be a, a, a good match to watch. And if South Carolina gets out of there with that match, I don't see them losing. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, give me a pick. I think just because South Carolina is so good at doubles and I can't call anything in here individually, I'll take South Carolina 4-3. All right. I like it. Well, with that said, let's get a little quicker moving forward. Uh, Both of us, just so we can, again, do this at a reasonable pace. I know Super Producer Daniel West, still plenty of work to do with the broadcast ahead. Let's move now to the 12 o'clock hour and let the record show. Chris has yet to predict an upset. You know, one's coming at some point, folks. Maybe it's this hour, but will it be with the number two seeded Kentucky? This Kentucky team undefeated heading into the national indoors 10 and 0 overall. They got the big win over Virginia on the road in that NCAA championship rematch. They got the big four, three win at Louisville with Liam Draxel struggling. Then Tough 4-3 win at home against Duke. Again, a match where we saw, yes, this team lost three set matches at the five and six position, but guys like, you know, Charlie Cosnett and J.J. Mercer and obviously Weeks as well, all getting valuable repetitions. You know, this Kentucky team's taking on a Florida team that obviously they know well in theory, but it's all fresh faces for a four and three Florida squad wins over USF Mississippi State in the kickoff weekend. They also beat Florida State losses in that Pac-12 SEC challenge to two good teams in the field, USC, Stanford. But 
look, we know Axel Neff, uh, Neff, uh, obviously he hasn't played at the national indoor finals, but has been a top 25 guy for a while. And, you know, he struggled of late. I think he's lost three consecutively, but we know the level he's capable of. And again, all these pieces we know, we just haven't seen them together that frequently. Benetto, Grant, Greif, Braswell, Narundorn, Tokic. We saw Orlikowski in play for the first time as well, uh, or at least getting some repetitions. It's a fascinating matchup. Let's start with Kentucky. What are you most confident in about the Cavs heading into this? Just the depth. And for the record, Axel played at the indoors in Chicago. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. With Notre Dame. Uh, Good call by you. Only because, you know, we played him and I watched. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but yeah, no, I mean the for Kentucky, it, it's it, it's the depth in the lineup now that we've seen what they've got at five and six, and those guys, you know, in their tight matches, they needed those freshmen to come up big at Louisville, and that's exactly what they did. You know, it was a they were down three two at Louisville, and that's certainly not a position we expected to see them in, or or that they you know wanted to be in. But the two freshmen in Weeks and Cosnett came up and and won their matches and it and you, you know one of them with a you know a break seven five in the third for Cosnett so uh, yeah that's to me that's the that's the known commodity uh, for for Florida just still a lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's fair and you know to your point. We know Lafia, Draxel, Lapidot, Body, what they're all capable of doing in those top four positions. And again, it does feel like Weeks, Cosnet have separated themselves, proven to be not just, you know, not just legitimate, you know, consider uh, options they have to turn to, but legitimate options at those five and six spots. And, you know, again, I do wonder about the doubles point. For this Kentucky team, they've been okay at it so far, but that obviously, again, to just put pressure, have to win four victories in singles at this event. That's a really tough line to have to tread. That said, you look at this Florida team. I mean, again, I think it's been a pretty strong start for just about everyone. It's been a little bit up and down for Will Grant at that two spot, but like Greif has been solid in patches. Jonah Braswell's really stood out the freshman five and one after his 15 and three fall. Um, you know, again, Tokats has been solid. Narundorn in in a pinch. I still think we haven't seen the best of Benetto yet, but like, I don't know. What's the case for Florida here today? Yeah, they're, I mean, it's going to be a tough one for them. They're, they're not having the best of luck in singles right now. Nobody, I mean, Braswell's been great and we've seen, we now see him sliding up to the three spot. Benetto has, you know, frankly struggled a little had the good match uh, in the you know the tennis channel match for on Florida's for Florida State at Florida State or against Florida State I should say at the national campus but uh, they just not not a lot going for them in singles yet still trying to figure out if Orlikowski is going to make his way in we do see the freshman Tokach up to five Greif down to six Greif has been eh, like you said I mean he's been good in patches not great they're just struggling to find a solid consistent point who's going to get them the point every week right now it's been braswell and that's about it he's the one guy that's been there no matter what everybody else in the lineup from a singles perspective i think has had their struggles and you know then pile on top of that you're not an indoor team you're playing a team that plays everything indoors up till now tough match yeah it's going to be a fun one what's your favorite singles matchup 
Uh, I think in this one for me, I actually like the match at five with Tokach, the freshman for, for Florida and Weeks, the freshman for Kentucky. Tokach has actually looked good when I've seen him. I, like I said, Braswell's been been the best. That's another really good match. I was going to say that's mine. Braswell yeah, Lapidat. Yeah, Braswell Lapidat. Uh, I just think that's going to be a more high high profile match for sure. I'm I'm sneakily watching these two guys down at five just because they're both freshmen and they both need to contribute and both have done so so far. So I think that's another intriguing match. Whether it finishes, I think, is another question. Mm-hmm. Body Bonanno is not bad either. And I'll tell you the other thing that's interesting. You brought up the Kentucky doubles point. I'll just point out they have, you know, they they haven't been great and they mixed up their doubles. They've been playing a lot of Draxel Ieni at one dubs, and that's not the case now. They've they've got uh, they've got Body and Ieni together, and uh, you see Lapidon Mercer back together after they played a lot of last season, had plenty of success. So that's interesting to see. Certainly, all right, give me a pick. Uh, I mean, uh, the this is a clear cut Kentucky indoors. There, yes, they've played a couple close matches. Could be susceptible. Florida hasn't shown me anything yet, and they're going indoors. Uh, I'll say it's four one Kentucky. All right, four one Kentucky. Still no upsets for Chris as we move to our fourth round of sixteen match. Our final on the right side of the draw. Final of the twelve p.m. hour. It'll be two blue bloods, two teams we've seen play multiple times: national indoors, NCAA's. These Tar Heels uh, versus Trojans, of course. UNC, the ten seed, taking on seventh seeded. USC. Now, again, this was a 2020 National Indoor Finals match that went the way of the Trojans. You look for this USC team. They suffered their first and only loss of the year uh, at Michigan earlier this week, but 6-1 and one are the Trojans coming into this event. And, you know, again, perhaps the biggest thing for USC is they've done it all without superstar freshman Lerner Tien, who's listed at the number three spot for the Trojans this weekend. Now, again, we've yet to see Tien in action so far this year, but you add him to the mix with a team that has, you know, Stefan Dostinik off to another undefeated start in dual match play. He was unfinished in the third against Styler, a really fun match uh, in that USC Michigan battle. And, you know, then you have a guy like Peter Mock who's made that sophomore surge. I know he, uh, was in a tough one with Fenty at the number two spot. Woj Tech Merrick's had a really strong start five and one as well. And then again, bunch of people are winning. At the bottom of the lineup, Colby lost to Bickersteth, but he's five and one overall on the year. Ludwig got a good win over Bjorn Svensson. He's three and one overall on the year. You've just, you know, this team continues to have those same options that it felt like they had last year. And again, we still haven't seen TN. What have you liked most about the Trojans? What's their pathway here today or in this one? Yeah, what I mean, what I've liked most is that everything looks like there's a, just a lot of upside. They haven't, they haven't been good in doubles. So you can only go up. They haven't had Leonard Tien in the lineup and they've been great in singles. Probably can't get a whole lot worse. I think it's big upside. I think this match to me is one of the more intriguing ones mm-hmm. because they've been so good in singles. We've seen them come away from indoors with a title, right? Even in Wisconsin, but traditionally you're going to say North Carolina's playing a lot of indoors USC, not, I think it makes it very intriguing. And this North Carolina team that you don't really know a lot about because you've got 
guys that are have just come over, you know, most notably guys like Poling and Sagerman coming over from Princeton, Logan Zapp, who has not, we have, we just haven't seen in a while. <clears throat> There's a lot, a lot of intriguing factors in this match. No, I think for this USC team, here's the thing. If they have Tien, now they have real depth. Now, you know, again, one of Westrate, Fry, and uh, and uh, Colby, Colby, and, yep. you know, all these different guys, even Merrick probably, one of those guys is sitting. And those are all legitimate, you know, guys who have proven their worth in top sixes of lineups. And, you know, so far they've been okay in doubles. Not great. I think that is something they'll have to work on and hopefully have some success in uh, throughout the course of the weekend if they want to make another deep run. But to your point, this North Carolina team's fascinating. And you look for the Tar Heels, they're 6-2 and two overall in the, this season. Their loss is 4-3 at South Carolina, 4-3 at home against TCU, where they were up a set in 4-1. Ultimately, that match flips in three sets. TCU takes it 4-3. Cernok, Segerman are as good of a top two as you'll find in the country. They may lose, but they're not going to lose in less than three sets. Like those two guys are doing battle. And then again, whether it's Lee, whether it's, you know, like uh, Watani, to your point, Polling's had a really strong start five and one overall to his season, the transfer over from Princeton. This team's really solid. They're 12 and five in doubles. Good, not great. But again, they've played competitive doubles points against everyone these two teams are just like your definition of good versus good. This is a very big roll the balls out sort of match. Where do you feel mo- most confident about for the Tar Heels? I, it's hard. Well, in, in this particular matchup, I mean, I, I, to me, actually, it's the two spot and especially okay. indoors. Sagerman hits a huge ball and indoors, uh, you know, I that's going to be tough. Cernok obviously is solid, but at one and all of a sudden, hey, guess what? First match, you get Steph, you know, the one of the top five, if not the number one guy in in college. That's, you know, that's going to be a tough match. I'm just intrigued to see to to see what happens. Are we going to see Logan's app? Um, And but that's it's the team that I think is probably the for most people watching that they just, they haven't seen them. You haven't seen the Princeton guys play for them this year. You haven't seen Logan zap. We don't know what, you know, we don't know what we're going to get out of them. It's a, it's very, very interesting. I, there's just too much known on the USC side, I think right now to pick against them, but golly, it's very easily ripe for an upset. Your best matchup. I don't want to say Cernok and Steph, but like you said, Cernok's going three with everybody. It's It probably is. I just hate always picking the number one. I'm, yeah. I have to lean to the fact, just because we haven't seen him yet, that we probably don't see uh, Lerner, Lerner Tien. So yeah, if we do see him, he becomes the must watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was to say, if he's in the lineup, then and I, I'll be honest, I haven't even watched Will Jansen play, so I don't know what I'd be getting into. That's the match I'd be watching is, is Tien and Jansen. Uh, yeah, for, I would say polling Merrick. Like Carl polling has been really good this year, as has Woj. That's very much a swing match. And again, indoors, maybe you lean polling, but let's find out. Let's roll the balls out and play. With that in mind, give me a pick. I don't know how I pick against USC. My gut tells me I I should pick the upset here. Carolina indoors, 
probably no TN, but if TN plays, definitely I'm making USC the favorite. USC not been great in doubles. I think Carolina might have a, a slight edge there, but it hasn't even mattered yet to USC. They still come away with the singles matches. I say they come away with the singles matches that they need again, and they do it. It may be a 4-3 match, but I'll go Trojans. All right. So once again, it's a clear cut, no upset right side of the draw for Chris Hallioris. That's right. Never far from the listed UTR. I should say never again will he pick against the WTN. We're adding that moving forward because we have a new sponsor, of course, as it relates to college tennis. But all right, let's move over to the left side of the draw. We move to the 3.30 p.m. Central Time portion of play. And let's go now to the number four seeded Michigan Wolverines, this Michigan team, 10-0. They've answered every question that's been asked of them. Again, wins over USC, Tennessee, Baylor, NC State on the road. They beat Harvard. They beat Northwestern. They've been battle tested and you look for this Michigan team, 38 and six in singles, 19 and three in doubles. You know, again, the Northwestern match was closer than that. The Harvard match was closer than that. Baylor match was closer than that. Even the USC match was closer than those gaudy statistics would indicate. And yet they've gotten through every challenge. This is a very experienced team, one through five. And, you know, Maloney six and oh. Gavin Young, six and zero. Styler, six and one. Fenty, six and one. Bickersteth, five and one. The horses have come through for this Wolverines team. You contrast that with a Stanford squad that obviously has dealt with a bunch of injuries. And this five and two Stanford team doesn't have the Nishesh Basavaretti from the fall. He's not able to swing through that backhand given the issues with his wrist. Still, Ferry, five and one. Basing, six and one. Banerjee, five and one, you know, uh, the big guns that we expected on their lineup, they have come through thus far for this Stanford team. And while there are still some questions in the bottom of their lineup, Chaudhry's played better. Kolazinski started to get some wins. We still don't know with those two and Rajesh what exactly they'll do. Although for what it's worth this weekend, the lineup is Bosferetti four, Chaudhry five, Kolazinski six. I mean, again, here's the thing. For the Stanford team, Ferry, Basing, for it certainly they're not intimidated by Fenty, Maloney, Styler. Like pound for pound, those guys have had just as much success as those Michigan duo has. They can match that strength at the top of the lineup. That said, you look for this Michigan team. What's the recipe, Chris? Well, doubles for sure. I mean, stand in this matchup in particular, Stanford's not been good at doubles, right? They it, the the matchups in uh, in Florida with both Georgia and Florida, they lost both doubles points uh, to not even particularly great d- doubles t you know schools. Michigan's gonna got to take doubles. You have to like, I mean, you got to like everything in that lineup other than right now because of the missing Nino Aaron Schneider. Whether you're throwing Swenson or Cooksey out at six moderate success for them. I mean, that's the one spot they've been mediocre at. Everybody else has been good. I mean, just flat out good. So you, if you're Michigan, you're rolling your die. You're going, Hey, we, we take, we take dubs. We take three of the top five singles and still got a great shot at six as well, but you feel really good about that. And, uh, and I don't, it's, They've got some tough competition on the other side. And so we'll get into, you know, what are those intriguing matchups? But 
boy, it's going to be tough to, you know, and again, indoors, it's going to be tough to be able to take dubs and for Stanford to find four singles matches here when they're going to be a little outmanned at five for sure. And, and probably six as well. It's that's tough. Yeah. I mean, look, Gavin Young's taking a leap six and oh, he's one of those guys. And I think he will be ready to play perhaps the number one spot for the Wolverines next year. But to your point, Maloney, Fenty, Styler, they're back. Bickersteth, he, the, him at five is a joke. This Michigan team has real depth. They've played like it so far this season. You're right. They've got answers everywhere. That said again, Ferry's been as advertised. Basing is top 20 good and Banerjee indoors. Like he's starting to find his rhythm. Nishesh is still Nishesh. And like he's hopefully getting healthier every single day. Stanford can match the horse. Like if Ferry has a good day, He's going to beat Fenty at one. If Basing has a good day, he might beat Maloney at two. Like, that's the thing for this Stanford team is their best days allow them to compete with anyone. Yeah, and I think that's probably that's the path for the the most likely path for them is uh, we're still going to drop doubles and we're just going to sweep the top four. And I mean, that that's their best shot, honestly. Mm -hmm. What about six? I mean, that's there's there's a chance. I mean, it's questionable. Who do you because, play? Do you go Chaudhry, Rajesh, Kolzinski? What are you doing? Uh, I mean, I I think we're going to end up seeing Chaudhry. I mean, they've got Chaudhry five, right? I, so obviously he's not six. He can't be. So I think we see Chaudhry five. I think they're going to play Kolzinski. I mean, that, you know, you can play whatever. It's irrelevant what you submit. I think we end up seeing Kolzinski there. But yeah, that's it's a. It's a pick 'em, if you will, for me between b- between their six and the Michigan six right now. That that's a match that could go either way. But if Stanford's on the top four, you know are good. Now, obviously, you don't know what you're getting out of Nishesh, but uh, you know that's that's probably that's probably your spot is the top four. And if it's not one of them, then you got to get six and and you lose one of the top four. All right. Well, then, with that said, what's your most intriguing singles matchup? Uh, there's only two that I even want to watch in this match, and that's Gavin Young and Nishesh for sure. And I want to see what Nishesh has got. And given that he's probably slicing all the backhands, is Gavin patient enough and not forcing it to just bide his time and and, and do his thing? And then the match between Maloney and Basing. Uh, that's that's probably from a just pure, let's see, high-level tennis. I think that's the one we're going to see. That's my pick. I mean, I'm all in on that match. That is going to be Max Basing is freaking good. And I'm just saying, if you haven't watched him yet, take the time to do so. It's going to be fun to see how he responds to the energy, the weaponry of Maloney. I think that match is going to be fascinating. Give me a pick. Uh, I, there's, I can't get away from Michigan here. Uh, I do think and Stanford doesn't get dubs. I think they get, I think they get a point from, uh, from Ferry on the board. That may be it before the match is over. I'll go 4 1 Michigan. All right. 4 1. Chris still not a single upset on his board. Then let's move to the second of the 3 30 p.m. Central Time matches. University of Virginia taking on Tennessee. This is an NCAA semifinal rematch now. This Virginia team, 7 and 2 overall, 4 3 loss to Kentucky at home, 4 1 loss. They took the doubles, but Ohio State takes it to them in singles. And we'll talk about that Buckeye team in a little bit. Still, 7 and 2 overall, 
The big guns are the big guns. Rodesh, five and one. Von der Schulenberg, seven and zero. Oh. Montez, five and zero. Oh. Gat, seven and two. He lost seven six in the third against Kentucky. It was not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. What are they going to do with the bottom of the lineup? Kiefer's been solid, three and two overall. Dahlberg, two and two. Freshman working his way in. Bots are two and zero. Oh. We just haven't seen him a ton in singles, though. He and Rodesh four and one at the one double spot. Obviously. It's the indoors. You imagine we'll see a bit more of bar than we have thus far. That said, again, they still got to figure out what do they want to do at five and six moving forward. It's a very good Virginia team. They're taking on a Tennessee team that has not had the start they were looking for. Tennessee six and three overall losses to Michigan. Wake Forest, they survived that kickoff weekend thriller against Oklahoma, but drop a tough one at home against TCU for one. And again, Looking overall right now for this team in doubles there, uh, I believe pretty good at the one spot. You know, Monday and Harper have found their form. They're four and oh overall. They're six and one collectively at the number three double spot that they did drop that one to TCU. Again, the question is, what's the singles lineup going to look like Monday right now? He's, you know, he seems to have solidified his spot at number one, five and one overall on the year. But beyond that, you know, Diaz at six, five and one. You feel like they know the corners, but Bicknell, Hud, Mitsui, Prada, Kozlov, where does everyone else fit between? You know, again, plenty of questions still for uh, each of these teams coming into this one. Let's obviously start on the Virginia side of things. Defending NCAA champs, you know, they came here, they beat Florida first round of the national indoors last year, or no, they didn't. Texas beat Florida. They played them in a thriller, though, at the last round of the National Indoors last year. Still, this team didn't find its form till post-indoors. What do you expect from this more experienced group? I I expect that one day I'm going to get you to say the word sneaker gate. I just, that's, you know, that (laughs) Florida-Virginia match from last year. Uh, and, and we did, uh, by the way, there's a comment in the, in the chat asking about the lineups and where to see them. You, you listen to us. That's where you get them. Yeah, well, good answer. We're doing the coverage. We know what we have them. We are. The question was, are you just going off last match? No, these are the lineups submitted. They're not out there for the public. Listen to us. We tell you what they are. Otherwise, you just wait for well the Well done by watch. you, Chris, addressing the listeners. Thank you for that. And by the way, Sebastian Vile, I see those Illinois updates in their matchup. Uh, They're taking on Georgia today. We're going to talk about Illinois in a second. So give me an update as soon as we get to that Ohio State-Illinois match, please, because that is a very relevant decision. And I appreciate those updates. I'm not ignoring them. I'm just trying to stay. I I was filibustering as two, three sets, uh, two third sets going to decide that Illinois up three, two. But carry on, Chris. Yeah, I'm, so so now I've even lost track of your question for me. No, I know again, for Virginia, it's it's doubles one, two, three, or four. Doubles and three of the top four. Yeah, doubles and three of the top four because, like you said, we don't know what we're seeing. Is Barr playing Kiefer? Honestly, you said he's been okay. I, I don't think he's been very – the big matches, he's not been good. and Not not winning anyway. Three sets. But, like, again, I think he's been fine. Yeah, not good, a, but fine. A, yeah, it's a tough spot. Dahlberg, at, who's at, listed after Botzer. Botzer at six. Yeah, I just don't know. I would think we're going to I would think we need to see Botzer. Um, but but Dewey is is another question. So I think that's the clear path for Virginia is, yes, get doubles, get three of the top four. That's your path. It's not the only way. Obviously, you know, you you can get a win out of any of those guys, especially if you got Barr playing six. Uh, but I think that's the the clearest of paths for them. 
Let me just say this Virginia team feels very 2019 Wake Forest esque in that it's like, okay, Gojo, Bar, Petros, one more. This team's like, okay, three of Vonder Schulenberg, Montez, Rodash, Getz, find one more. And I'm not, that's not a slight on the rest of the lineup. We just still have questions about that rest of the lineup right now. And that Wake Forest team made national indoor finals and NCAA finals. We, I'm, I'm fascinated to see this Virginia team compete. I'm really excited to see them play a Tennessee team that look, they just haven't gotten up yet for the biggest matches, but then they did against Oklahoma. And this group is ready for Chicago. Like they've all been through that ringer before, I guess, blaze Bicknell to some extent has it, but obviously he was part of an NCAA championship run. If they're ever going to turn up the jets, it's now and the product are, excuse me, the Monday Harper team at one, that's just a damn good team. Like that team is going to give them be in position to perhaps give them half a point in anything they play. Will they make a decision to go HUD Mitsui at some point at that number two spot? We know what those two are capable of. We haven't seen them play together much this season, but right now they're submitted at the number two spot. I love that decision. Get back to the big guns. And then what will they do at three? We'll still have to find out, but like, I like the change. I like the aggressiveness. I like that they're trying to work Prada back into the lineup because I do think the best version of this team involves a healthy and playing well Martin Prada. Look, they now have no pressure coming on them, coming into this, Chris. So I ask you, what's their pathway here? I mean, the pathway, I think, for them starts with doubles. I'm not sure. I, I like the teams they've got at one and two. I have no idea. You know, they put all the strengths together and that leaves three as a who knows. I don't even know that Diaz and Rodriguez or, or Kozlov and Bicknell have played a match together this year. I don't the, the stat sheet shows O and O for both teams. So Lord knows what we see at three dubs. But those two teams, but but Monday Harper and Mitsui and HUD are two very, very seasoned doubles teams that could easily win you a doubles point. So I think that, you know, you've got to get that. If you're Tennessee, you like your chances with Monday against anybody. Bicknell, look, he just hasn't been good this year. Um, They've got him up at two. I don't think they're counting on anything. And that's a strong spot with what Virginia has submitted indoors uh, with the, you know, the big guy uh, in Rodesh uh, at at two. That's going to be a tough spot for Bicknell. I think I'm not counting there. Mitsui. Wow, that to me, we'll go. That's what a match right there, Mitsui von der Schulenberg. That's it. That's I the mean, one. That that that's that is clearly the marquee match in singles. Uh, Mitsui and von der Schulenberg. That's the one you got to watch. Uh, and if you're Tennessee, that one's got to go your way. Emil Hud indoors, you got to get him too. So you're going. Hey, we need we need Monday. We need Mitsui. We need Hud. We need doubles. If you get something out of Prada or whoever you Diaz play at six, at six, that's a bonus. Diaz at six is five and one this year. You're telling me him versus a Dahlberg, a Botzer, a Kiefer, whomever it no, is. Like, come on, they can win that one. Oh, they can. Absolutely, they can. I'm just saying that's, I think, you know, if you're counting on your strengths and what you know is there, yeah, those you're you're looking at those other guys. But absolutely, they could win a match at, I mean, look, and if, if they actually play, say, Kiefer at five, whether it's Prada or whether it's Kozlov, but one of those guys can beat Kiefer as well. I just feel a lot more confident in saying, hey, Monday Mitsui Hud, go get the go get it done. 
McNell hasn't been great indoors, and he's never been an indoor guy, but he got the big win over Oklahoma, and I think he's pl- – or did he win that match? He lose it in three. I forget what it was. He, he uh, won – yeah, they, they came down to needing – Oh, no, but he played at three, not two. That's what it was. Yeah, he Correct. won he, it in three. It was at the three spot. Yeah, like – Beat Nathan Hahn. Yeah, yeah, I think he's playing better. He's regaining his rhythm. Again, he's been out of college tennis for over a year now. It's a frisky match, and we said it. Mitsui von der Schulenberg, so much athleticism. God, that match is fun. Monday versus Montez, the contrast in size, yet the physicality of that one's going to be delightful. It's going to be electric. It's going to be really fun. Fun colors on the court as well. Chris, what's your pick? I mean, boy, I look at it this way, Gruskin. You're not letting me out of here with no upsets. The 8-9 doesn't count. I sure as hell ain't picking Illinois, so. Wow! You're going with the volunteers. Give me Go the calculus. Vols. Yeah, I, I, it's going to have to be, like I said, my, my best chance, I think, is dubs, one, three, four. But I'm not, I, I just don't like the spot wow. at two against Rodin. Wow. They Like you said, they've got nothing to lose. If they're going to do, look, if they come out of here and they go one and two or oh and three at indoors, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all but writing them off for the season. They've got to turn it around, but there is no pressure. Like you said, look, they're, they're, they're seated way down low. They haven't come in. Well, these guys have nothing to lose. If they're going to turn it around, this is the time. And why not doing it against the defending national champions? We needed that 56 minutes in. We needed a little pick me up. So thank you for that Tennessee upset. That was just a little boost there. There he is. He's on the board. Chris taking Tennessee out of that 330 hour. All right. Seb Vile, I need an update, please, on the Illinois match. Taking on Georgia right now as we get to their match next, the 6 p.m. hour. It's Ohio State, 630, excuse me, Ohio State taking on Illinois. Look, this Illinois won, by the way. Illinois win over Georgia. Big one coming into this. There's the big mo because look, Illinois so far this season, eight and four overall. They played some good matches. Lost 4-1 at Kentucky, didn't get blown out. Lost 6-1 at Ohio State. Okay, but it's at Columbus. 4-0 loss at North Carolina, 4-3 at Duke, but they got tested on the road. Look, they've gotten wins over UCF, Notre Dame over the past week. Now the win over Georgia as well. At the very least, they've seen this Ohio State team here this season. But look, Chris, I'm going to go on a diatribe for a second. A little monologue. I apologize. I've seen a lot of great Ohio State teams over the years. And you look for the Buckeyes. They've won this national indoor championship twice. You look at the 2014 team with Cobelt and Diaz and Metka and you know, all the guys they brought on that roster. That was a really good team. 2019, Wolf, McNally, all the way through to Tubert and all the different things that they could do. That was a real C-League, a really good Buckeye team. Obviously, Buchanan, Rolla, that era, exceptional. Allure, Wilson, Kronagi, Kinyeko. They've had some great teams in Columbus over the years. National Indoor Champions, NCAA finalists. Shout out to Torp. I don't want to forget that 2018 team either with J.J. McNally, Torp. What a fun top three. This is the best Buckeyes team I've ever seen. And I don't say that lightly. And you look for this Ohio State team, 11-0 and overall coming into this National Indoors. They're 18-5 and in dual match play in doubles. 46 and three in singles, and they've been without Cannon Kingsley for wins against Baylor, Wake, and Virginia on the road. Those last two, I just look up and down the lineup. 
Trotter through 11 team matches, 10 and 0 overall, or excuse me now through 12 matches, they're 12 and 0 overall. He's 11 and 0 Robert cash through 12 matches. He's 10 and 0. And you know, the leap Boulay made, I watched Anthrop play and I was like, Oh yeah, he was as good as advertised. There's some JJ Wolf 0.85 buzz to watching him play. Chris, trust me. If you see him this weekend, you'll be impressed. Of course, the doubles lineup they bring even without Kingsley to have Robert Cash at two because you trust Luchonic and Trotter to just get the job done at one. The experience of this team, they've all been through it. This is not year one. You know, yes, Bernard and Anthrop are new pieces, but the, the majority of this group, it's year three or year four for all of them. This Ohio State team is so freaking good, Chris, and the depth that they have combined with the strength up top, combined with the fact that we still haven't seen the best versions of Bernard, Anthrop, or a healthy Kingsley. I feel better about this Ohio State team than I've ever felt about any Buckeye team. I think they're that good. What say you? How can you feel bad about a team where J.J. Tracy has lost as many singles matches as everybody else in your starting lineup combined? <laughs> yeah, and he's lost one. Like, like I mean, on the on the you know yeah. overall whatever they listed, right? He was thirteen and five. But Boulay, Kingsley, Bernard, Trotter—they've lost a total of and Cash yeah. lost a total of five matches. It's Tracy, Tracy five on the year. No, it's it's Tracy yesterday an zero and two win over Miladinovic. Like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's he's lost it's one sick. dual match. One. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, somebody somebody in the first two days this weekend is going to have to pull the upset of their life to knock them off. I, I don't even think this gets real for Ohio State until Sunday. I mean, they get they're going to get Illinois. Sure, they can get challenged. I'm not saying that they won't have some tight matches. They're going to win. They're going to beat Illinois. They're going to beat the winner of Texas and Wake Forest. And then it gets real when they get, you know, maybe, maybe a great match with Michigan. Who knows what, what it will end up being, but we, you know, that's when it gets real for them. I'm not sure that we can say that about anybody else in this, at this tournament that's been that dominant this year. Well, the pathways are endless because again, cash hasn't lost. Trotter hasn't lost. And to bring them to the bottom of the lineup, cash moving so well, so aggressive, just his relentlessness indoors, unmistakable. Trotter, the weapons he has, did not have him in the top three of your lineup. That's the luxury they have because, by the way, they're top three of Kingsley, Boulay, Tracy. They're all that good right now. Bernard's slowly getting better and better, asserting himself more into the court. And physically, he's a nightmare to face. And then again, like one of those guys might not play if they want to play Anthrop or they want to play Luchonic on the right day. And it seems just that good. Now, here's the thing. Illinois, who gets the big win, 4-2 over Georgia. And for what it's worth, this Illinois team takes uh, the doubles point, 7-6 at the third. They get it to clinch over Croyder and Johnson, and then they get straight set win from Ozalins over Quinn. Wow. Straight set win, although Ozalins has some serious weapons. Straight set win from Roz over Bride, 6-6. Six six. Straight set win Michio, uh, Miyoshi. Straight sets over Yuska. Uh, for what it's worth, they played Yuska at four, Croyder at five in this match. I mean, here's the thing for Illinois, Brad Dancer is going to have 500 people at this match. Like there will be a strong Illinois contingent. It will feel like a home match for a team that just beat Georgia. Now they've got a little mojo going into a team that they did see a couple weeks ago in Columbus. We say it's always hard to beat a team twice in one season. 
obviously Ohio State's the favorite. What is the path for Illinois? I mean, first of all, the only quiet people at that match are the designated drivers. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that, that's a given. That will be a loud crowd. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, they're going to need what, you know, something like they did today on steroids, because I just don't know how you do that to Ohio State indoors. They have guys that have upside, like Ozalans, right? But I, Ohio State. You know who they didn't play today, by weakness. the way? No Alex Petrov today, who's listed at number one for them. And, and, but Heck did play? Heck did play up to the number two spot. Okay. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know how you get it done. I think what I think what this does is it gives them some confidence that, look, I did nobody expects them or anybody else this early to knock off Ohio State. But okay. we're all looking at at circling, you know, circling them and circling probably in the bottom half a team like Florida as, oh, there's your 0-3 teams for the tournament, right? Illinois is now not so easy. They're not 0-3 this week. You can't do it anymore. They already got a win this week. So <laughs> literally, they're like, we are not the 0-3 team. I'm sorry, West Up, but they're saying, fuck you, Chris. Like, you knew we were going to say it. You knew you were going to say they're going to be 0-3 this weekend. And now, literally, that's a message saying, hey, don't you dare call us the 0-3 team this week. Okay, we just be, freaking they won. could be 1-3. Yeah. But no, yeah, the they're it's not it's not so much you know they've just shown hey that's not the given we you know they can beat somebody up there it's not going to be ohio state i just i don't know i honestly don't know how you how they do it because i don't see a path to to for them to get four points off them i think they just want to be competitive and then come out day two and and go and you know take their shot then against whether it's texas or wake forest best match Ozalans versus anyone. I'll answer it. I mean, Watch yeah, Carlos Ozalans. He can. He's got weapons. He can play. And I don't. Yeah, and and we don't know. Well, actually, they've submitted uh, Kingsley at two anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So so he's playing Belay. Um, yeah, sure. Whether Cannon's in or not. Well, I guess it depends on whether Petrov plays. But yeah, I I'll, I'll go with that for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. All right, what's your final score? Ohio State four zero. I'm saying at least four. It's got to be at least four one. Come on. After the Georgia, the home element. Come on. It's a big high to come down from. All right. That's fine. Four oh, he says it. Well, then our final round of 16 match might be the most fascinating. Texas versus Wake Forest. You look for this Texas team. Uh, obviously, only lost one match so far this year. Seven and one overall. They got smoked in Columbus, but good wins for them over Arizona, Pepperdine, Cal, Georgia, so far, Florida, so far this season, they have been tested. And look, we were wondering about a couple of things. How real was Elliot Spaziri's fall? Well, he's 6-0 at the number one spot in dual match play. He's the number one player in the country. He is that good. We were wondering how real was the bounce back from CM Waldeep. Well, he's 7-1 and in dual match play to start this season. He is back to his top form. And then, you know, again, Cleve Harper, who's always been rock solid at the bottom of the lineup. He's five and one to start this season. And the question is, how healthy is this team? How healthy is PY? Pierre Ve Bailey, the superstar sophomore, Micah Braswell, three and three so far this year is the superstar junior. You know, again, if those guys are healthy, we know how good the six singles in this Texas roster can be. For what it's worth, Harper Spaziri, six and two at the number one spot. They continue their success from the fall. This team's still looking for pieces at the bottom of their lineup in doubles. But 
They're facing a Wake Forest team that's 11-2 and two overall, and I still feel like I know nothing about this team. And looking for Wake Forest, you know, Melios Estoflu, the one veteran we know very, very well, he's 7-1 and one to start the season. You're just getting a marathon versus him, whether it's at the one spot, the two spot, you know what you're facing. Philip Filippo Moroni had a really good season last year. He's capitalized on that form. He's rock solid all around. He's guy make you work 7-3 and three to start the year as Moroni. I mean, but you look for this Wake Forest team, they've already played 11 different guys in singles. And like outside, I know Estafalu, I know Maroney's going to play. I think I'll see Karamov, six and two on the year. I think I'll finally see Tachi, who's real, seven and two overall in the year. Thompson's 10 and one. But are we going to get Bozo Baroon? Are we going to get Juan Oscana de Lopez? Are we going to get any of the other players on this Wake Forest roster, who exactly are we going to see in doubles as well? Question marks. Now, again, I've said it. I think this is Tony Bresky's best coaching job to date. And this is a guy who's won a national freaking championship. Let's start on the Texas side of things, Chris. What's your biggest question mark? What are you looking for? Uh, biggest question mark is six. Like, okay. it, it not even, uh, right I don't even now, know. That for the record, they are three and three. Nevin's one and oh. Chi-Chi's one and one, McDonald's one and two. Yeah, just nothing. I mean, nothing so far at six. So I, I don't even I don't care who it is. It's what is, you know, what do they get from that spot? Um, because it's frankly not a particularly strong spot on the Wake Forest side. So it's a match that I expect to be competitive and you just got to pick the right guy on the day. Uh I, I think that's the that's the biggest unknown. Everybody else in the top five. We know, you know, those are the guys we know the most about in this match. Spaziri, Bailey, Braswell, Woldeep, Harper. There's no no questions in there, if you will. A lot more questions for us on, on what we see from the Wake Forest side. But yeah, for Texas, it's that. And then honestly, can they get a doubles point in, you know, in a match that matters here? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating to find out. Now, again, for this Wake Forest team, 11-2 and two overall, wins over Tennessee a win over Auburn, a win over Middle Tennessee. They play tough matches against both Ohio State and South Carolina. They're good. They are good. And you never know where the points are going to come from, but they could come from every anywhere. What do you feel most confident in about this team so far, Chris? I don't I hate to say confident, but I've liked 2 through 4. Okay. Uh, you know, I think I think they're in a tough spot where they don't. I mean, yeah, Mel, Melios can he can battle with anybody and probably make it go unfinished <laughs> if if that doesn't come down to him. But it's not a great spot, and it doesn't matter to me who they put at the one spot. It's a tough spot. They don't have a classic one, if you will. So they're going to be the underdog at one. But. Whoever the leftover guy is between Melios, Moroni, Tachi, and Karamov, those are your clear top four. And whoever ends up being two through four, I like a lot. They've been really good. Thompson has been good at five. I still have to see it against these top teams three days in a row now to really become a believer. This is the weekend that's going to either make me go, yeah, I see they really weren't there all along, or... I'm a firm believer now if they show me something at five and six, three days in a row, I'm going to sit on the fence right now and say, until they show me, I don't believe. So I think they're going to need everything they can get out of those, you know, three of the top four plus dubs. Now against Texas, yeah, six, 
great spot, you know, because you don't know what Texas has got at six. So that's always a possibility. And I think that's Lopez for Wake Forest. I mean, they didn't submit him there, but I think, I mean, that's who we've been seeing a lot of. That's what I would expect to see. Yeah. I I mean, to your point, I think the match of the match, hey, great shot, is Thompson versus uh, versus Cleve. Like, you want to know how good Thompson is? Beat Cleve freaking Harper at the five spot. Then we have to take you seriously. I I believe if you could do that. That's right. Yeah, very well said. So that's my match of the matchup. What do you have? I honestly, I want to see, I've not watched a lot of Karamov this year. I saw Fairmont last year. I want to see a really focused CM Waldeeb. So I'm going to watch the match at four between Waldeeb and Karamov. And because to me, that's the match. I know Spaziri, Bailey, and Braswell are going to battle. Waldeeb's the one that I always go, man, if it gets going the wrong way, he you know, it's erratic and and weird things happen. I want to see the, I want to see him. If he's focused, that's, they're a dangerous team that, that top, that top five is very, very good. And that's why they've only lost one match. And look, everybody's lost to Ohio state. So uh, I'll write that one off. I really like that point. Well then with that said, let's get to it. Give me the pick. They lost to South Carolina, by the way, as well last week, but carry on. Ah, good point. Good point. Uh, I think because of all of the, just the unknowns, I I feel really good about the top five for Texas. I don't feel great about their doubles, but the singles are, are so strong. I think they, they find a way to get it done. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it will be an absolute battle, but I will go Texas and I'll say it, I'll say it finishes four, two. All right. With all of that said, then folks, that's your look at the round of 16. And of course, I will drag Chris uh, every night out of his slumber to podcast with me to recap all the actions. One of my favorite pastimes. I actually think those are the podcasts that get goofiest and most enjoyable. Chris, you and I. Late at least at it's not West Coast where I'm doing it at two in the morning with you. Yeah, exactly. Well, then let me ask you these last three things. First of all, over under Scotty B says four and a half matches. That's too many over under two and a half four three matches on day one. Uh, under. Okay, he's taking the under, Scotty B. Next question. The the question, well, I'm going to hold that question. Next question is actually a statement. Going into these national indoors, how does our ranking, how do our rankings differ from the ITA seating? Let's bring that up now. We do have our Crack Rackets top 10 poll here this week. We have Ohio State, number one, TCU, number two, Michigan, three, Kentucky, four, Texas, five, USC, six, UVA, seven, South Carolina, eight, Wake Forest, nine, UNC, 10. So slight differences, I suppose, between us and the seating committee. Still directionally, everything still feels pretty accurate. Question number two, what's your biggest disagreement or what do you like most about our top 10? I think Texas is too high, Uh, but I, I won't argue too much that was probably my biggest I, I think everything else in there uh two wins over arizona a win over florida like or right over florida i think yeah yep yeah i, I like i can't i can't really argue I, I mean i think i have the top four exactly the same and then probably eight through ten exactly the same and i'm just a little shuffled differently in five six seven but yeah i mean 
hard, hard for me to argue. I've, it does feel like, and I'll feel bad if I look back and I put Virginia seven, but it does feel a little low for them. Uh, you know, but they haven't been, they obviously they haven't been outstanding lately. They just don't have the signature wins. The others do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think that's unfair, but then finally the last question I will ask for you on today's show, Chris, the 2023 men's national indoor champions will be I really want to pick TCU, but I'm going Ohio State. Yeah, I can make the case. I mean, they just they've they've been so dominant. I don't care if it's been at home. They've gone on the road too. Uh they're so good. And when you've got, you know, in the past, it's been to me a little more questionable at the bottom when we've, you know, even last year, is is Cash playing six? Is is somebody else playing six? And eh, it was. You know, Cash has got the game indoors and he likes to come forward. He likes to get to the net, but he wasn't he wasn't having the success that he's had this year. Another year under his belt. They just look so good. You're playing Trotter at five. I mean, I don't when the guy that with the least amount of success in your lineup is J.J. Tracy. I I don't know how you I mean, obviously you can somebody can beat him, but, you know, statistics, they they play the event, you know, 100 times. They win more than anybody else. Yeah, very well said. This Ohio State team is that good. But again, there are a lot of other teams that are that good here this season. And if the women's national indoors was any forecast, it's going to be tightly contested battles everywhere. Of course, the best news, we're going to have coverage from first ball to last on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Myself, Mike Cation, going to steer the ship all weekend long. Coverage begins Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time. Take you all the way through Monday's championship match. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who will be on the ones and twos. Makes everything we do possible. A shout out, of course, as well here today to our friends at LS and Swing Vision for their support of this deciding point. Again, we hope you join us, college tennis fans. It's one of, if not the best weekend on the college tennis calendar. You won't want to miss it. Those are our predictions. If you want to share yours, at Cracked Rackets, at A.L. Gruskin, at College Tennis Ranks. Let us know on our various social media platforms. With all of that said, for the fantastic professor, lean, mean, vegan machine, Chris Hallioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at LS and Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. We will see you all this weekend. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.